Our guest runs direct services. That probably doesn't mean anything to you, but it will when you find out what direct services does. Hang around. This is going to be a fun one. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. Welcome to the Chuck Williams Show. What episode are we on, Dylan? Um, 23, 24? I think, 20, I think 24, I'm not sure. Okay, so we are almost halfway, th- we're halfway through the year. Um, it, the Chuck Williams Show, as I like to tell everybody, my name's on the show, it's the Chuck Williams Show, but it ain't about me, it's about who we're talking to. And today, we're talking to Amy Bryan. I've known Amy uh, for what, 10, 12 years now? Somewhere around there, probably about 12. Yeah. yeah. Amy, uh, I knew Amy in her previous life. Uh, she is the, uh, um, she's the, uh, was a vice president of the Columbus, Cham- Greater Columbus Chamber of Commerce. And she left about two months ago to go to direct services. And when I tell everybody she works for direct services, oh, well, what's that? Tell us what direct services does that everybody will understand. Everyone knows direct services because they're the Meals on Wheels affiliate in um, an eight-county region uh, surrounding. Muskogee County is our largest county, and then um, we've got the Lower Chattahoochee Valley as well. So if you haven't heard of direct services, you've almost certainly heard of Meals on Wheels. And, you know, Meals on Wheels, and we'll get into this in a lot right but if you've ever known anybody that depended on Meals on Wheels, it wasn't just the food. The food was incredibly important, but that could be the only human contact. Some of you, those for a people- lot of our, our clients, it is that that's it. We we um, I, I've had the pleasure, and it is a pleasure of riding several routes. And you know, there are people that are sitting on their porch waiting for us. They know the time frame that we're coming in, and they are there waiting for us because they want to talk. They want to have a conversation. They, um, you know, some of our permanent routes are, are folks that drive them constantly. They've made friends and formed friendships, and it, it's just incredible to see people's faces light up when you're coming. And, and you're right. It's not about the food. The food's great, but it's about the relationships that have been formed. And it's mostly elderly or, mm-hmm. or uh, disabled. We serve the elderly and disabled. Mm-hmm. Fi- fi- people that are that are you hear fixed income these mm-hmm. are people that are literally on the tightest of fixed incomes mm-hmm. yep um let's we'll get back into that in a minute but mills on wheels that's why we're here today yeah. and i want to thank you for coming in but you you are a columbus native right i am a columbus native born and raised uh which got high school went to hardaway go hawks so what year did you graduate from 2003 hardaway? so then like all your classmates, you certainly went to Georgia, to Columbus State University, right? Negative. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love CSU, and I think CSU is fantastic, but... Um, you wanted to get out of town. I wanted to get out of town, like, um, you know, most people that are from Columbus want to do. And so, I went to Georgia Southern in Statesboro, and... Um, I'm I'm so thankful that my dad let me stay there because there were a few questionable years that maybe I had a little too much fun and he was so going to bring lost, me back home. You, but you lost hope scholarship. Hope was gone. Yes, hope was gone. Even my parents' hope was gone for a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I I made it through and actually ended up my last two years on the dean's list. I I don't know how this happened, but it did. I mean, I I found my way. I found my passion. I majored in public relations and just had so much fun with that, with the PR piece and, and doing the projects and things like that. And, um, so yeah, I made it out. <laughs> and Georgia Southern's a pretty cool mix. I mean, you've got, cool you got football, you've got kind of all of that, but you also got so many kids out of Metro Atlanta that are in the Georgia Southern. Yeah. You've also got a lot of kids from rural Georgia that are at Georgia Southern, which was very interesting to me too. To me, a lot of, of them are famous country small town kids. Yeah. Yeah. So Luke Bryan's um, wife, Caroline was in my sorority and Luke would be at Dingus McGee's was the bar that everybody went to and, and Luke would play at Dingus. And um, so you heard Luke Bryan before he was Luke Bryan. I knew Luke Bryan before Luke Bryan was Luke Bryan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I guess Cole Swindell is all right. And he didn't go by Swindell when he was in college. It was Swindle, Cole Swindle. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia Southern. It was easier that way. But, yeah, it's it's funny because I have friends that went to Jacksonville State, and they knew Alabama before they were Alabama. Uh-huh. And you know, and they'll talk those stories as well. So it's kind of cool thing that. 
people that have made their way in the world that you kind of said, wow, man, I, I, I used to drink beer with those guys. That's right. That's right. And so you go to Georgia State, get a taste of freedom. Why come home? Well, I actually um, went to Savannah for a little bit and did an internship with Amerigroup and worked in their um, community outreach division, which I loved. And that put me in a part of a community they're also serving um, those that are on the poverty line. And so I worked a lot in public housing and with with communities um, like that and loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the work. But I decided, you know... I was watching things going on on in Columbus. I was seeing some transition and some excitement happening in Columbus. And I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe I'll come home for a little bit. I have two older siblings that both um, left, and I knew they weren't coming back home. And so I was like, you know, maybe my parents would like to have a child back home. And um, that worked out for a little bit of time. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but I did. I came back, and actually, when I was at Hardaway, I did the work-study program, and I got certified as a dental assistant when I was a high school student. So I worked at this dentist office in high school. Then through college, I would come back home. Dr. Dr. Cowan, if he's listening, he still has a practice on Peacock Avenue. Love the man. He's been so great to me. And um, he would let me come home and work on um, holidays and during the summers. And so that was kind of my summer gig. Right. So I could make some money and then go back. so anyways, I, I decided to come back home and I called Dr. Cowan and he was like, look, I just lost my office manager. Do you want to come and fill in while the, you know, I'm, I'm looking for an office manager? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Well, in the meantime, my dad was trying to convince me that I needed to come work for him and sell insurance. So I was like, all right. So I worked it out with Dr. Cowan. I worked um, part-time for him and then I went in and worked for my dad part-time. I decided very quickly that insurance sales was not for me. It is for a lot of people, but I don't think I ever would have been successful at it. So um, I applied for a position at the chamber for this new program that they had called the Young Professionals. It was for the program manager for uh, young professionals. And went through all the interview process, got a phone call. They were like, you know, we appreciate you coming, but sorry, we've hired somebody else for the position. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever, moving on kept doing my thing well then I guess it was three days later I got a call and it was like hey we don't have that position open anymore but we do have this other position in our membership department would you be interested in it and so went back met with some folks and I was like "Eh, I think I might be into this so I um, took the position as the member services manager or coordinator I can't even remember and that that's what started it I want to go back to something you said real quick a, a minute ago Dr. Cowan, and mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about. How important is it to have a mentor like that in, in, in your life? And what in what ways did he model things that helped you down the road? I, I will tell you that that man trusted me and invested so much in me. And I think it's because he saw potential. And, you know, um, I was hesitant to do the work-study program because I didn't know where I would get assigned. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this, but I also didn't want to stay at school all day every day if I didn't need to be there, if I could get just as many credits, you know, doing this work-study program and get paid. So, um, anyways, I I got assigned to this phenomenal job with this phenomenal team and this man that, that was such a great teacher. And he didn't just teach me the the dental side of things and the technical side of things he taught me about um people and caring for people and you know your their patients and a lot of these people walk in especially to a dentist office terrified and so you know you you have to come in with a calming nature and how you treat your patients you know is meaningful to them and you know same thing on the front desk side and that's what I loved about him too was that he didn't want me to just understand the dental stuff. He wanted me to know how to manage the office and how to work in the financials. He trusted me with so much. And I'm so, the more I think about it and the more I think about the things that he let me do, like the experience that I got because he trusted me was just And you were getting this valuable. experience at 17, 18 years 17. old. 17, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. That, I mean, there's something to be said for that because, I mean, you're 36 now, right? Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Yep. Sorry if I've, Put your age out there for everybody. But, (laughs) but, you know, but here you were a high school senior and you had this real 
formative experience with a Columbus dentist. I mean, that you when you went to the chamber, you realized the importance of chamber inter, of interaction with people mm-hmm. in the business community, mm-hmm. right? I mean, was I that had, I had a grown up. I mean, my dad um, used to work for Lewis Jones. I know you're yeah. familiar with Lewis Jones. He would help. He was operations over all the stores. So I, I always had been instilled with this hard work ethic, and I understood. I mean, I was working at 15, 16 years old in the stores. I was the sample girl for a minute. Uh, you know, I, I got to got a taste of some of that as well, but. You know, um, it's different when your dad's telling you how to do a job versus somebody that, that doesn't even know you but wants to invest in you. And I think that um, that's what's been so meaningful for me and that he's followed me along the way. I mean, he was at my wedding. They've, they've you know, every, every child I've had, they've sent a gift. I mean, they're my friends. They're, they're my family. And, um, you know, what he gave to me um, – it's just invaluable. I can't even describe, you know, what it's meant to me in my career. I know, and I've seen this work both ways, but kids that are particularly girls, but kids that are encouraged to work when they're juniors and seniors in high school, mm-hmm. they and they've worked, whether it be, you know, I mean, Jim Morpeth hires a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dr. Cowan, I mean, those work-study programs. What benefit do you think it gives you when you're still in the nest, but you're able to get your own money, you're able to see how the real world works outside of mommy and daddy in school. There's so much value in it, right? I mean, if, if you look at, I wish every child in the school system could do some form of this work-study program because to get a taste of it, to, to get your own money, to, you know, to be responsible for things. The money that I made was the money that I used to pay for my gas or the money that paid for my insurance. I wasn't handed things you know I had to work for things and and those dollars weren't just free to spend I had to be responsible with the dollars and save the dollars and you know all of those good things a lot of the money I was saving you know for college so um, I I think there's a lot of value in starting work younger and and understanding that independence and you know, because there is an independence. You nailed it. There's an independence. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here with Dylan. I mean, he's working almost a full-time or soon to be a full-time job, literally, and going to school. And, right. I mean, there's a lot of independence that comes uh-huh. with that. Uh, when you look at um, when you look at your chamber career, how long were you at the chamber? Thirteen and a half years. I say that I grew up there, and I, I basically did. I graduated, came back home, and... and started working really I guess it was probably three months after I'd moved back so you worked for the last three uh presidents you worked for Mike Gaiman uh-huh. you worked for uh um what was his name Brian Anderson Brian Anderson um, uh-huh. and um, Gerald Mitchell and Gerald Mitchell yeah uh-huh. yeah I, yeah I did. Brian's name eluded <laughs> me and I don't know why um, it, but it did um yeah, I, I trained three chamber presidents. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, three very, three very different. Well, they were very, they, yes, Gaiman very different. Was, Gaiman was trained when you came in. That's um, right, that's but, right. you know, so you got to see very three very different kinds of mm-hmm. male leadership, yeah. of, of, of male management, male leadership. Mm-hmm. What did you get out of that? Um, it... it it's definitely, it, it was, it's an interesting experience, right? Because every leader is different. And you don't, when you think about leadership and you think about personalities and, you know, you learn from leaders ways that you may want to lead, but then you also learn from some leaders how you don't want to lead. And I'm not implying that on either of the three of them. I've, I've also had supervisors that I've learned from, uh, you know, how I don't want to lead. So, um, it, it, it was, it was a very, cause you had, you had a guy who had been there for 30 years who had loads of experience. You had somebody that was somewhat, um, it had maybe eight years of experience that came in and then and was very the, the latter has, has, and, and had political experience. Yes. And then the latter, um, no chamber experience, community development experience, but no chamber experience. So yeah, it's very, it's been very, very interesting. And it's also interesting to see, um, you know, the various shifts in the organization and how focuses change under different leadership and, and people's priorities. And you saw you saw the 2008 financial mm-hmm. crisis roll into COVID. So you saw the two major oh, yeah. components that downsized. I mean, 
you were young in 2000. When yeah. you started the chamber? I started at, in the uh, December of 2008. So, so right yeah. after, mm-hmm. right after mm-hmm. it collapsed. And you know what was interesting for the chamber, and I think this is for Columbus too, and again, I was so new and so fresh, but for, for this community, that 2008 hit, we didn't see it. It was more of a trickle effect than it was an immediate hit like a lot of other communities felt. So, I mean, even two and three years after we were... Unless you were Bill Hurd selling cars. Well, there's that. But... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, I mean but there there were certain parts of it that yeah. were a hammer. Yeah. But a lot of it was yeah. much smaller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in, in, and I wasn't saying that to correct you. I just, yeah. I mean, because I, I remember it both yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. I remember it both as the just the lethal hit on certain places, yeah. but then you know, then you ask me what I'm going to remember about 2008, and I'm going to remember that, you know, three, four different times I thought I had written Synovus off. I thought it was over, mm-hmm. and Synovus is thriving, still turning. <laughs> I mean, but you know, there were some of us in some yeah. of that tarp repayment thing that didn't think Synovus would get out of it, and there were yeah. people telling me it was over. Yeah. And so you've seen the success stories Mm -hmm. or the survival stories. The resiliency of the business community um, in Columbus is just, I'm telling you, it's incredible, especially, you know, we we did a lot with with peer cities and peer groups at the chamber. And I'm not kidding when I say that that we are, we're a success story. I mean, the, the Columbus business community, the Columbus community and the way that we come together in turbulent times is pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, any city in the state, up to and including Atlanta, would take Aflac in mm-hmm. a New yeah, York minute. Of course I mean, they would. New York would take Aflac. <laughs> right. I mean, Aflac is a Fortune what one hundred now? Is it? Or, um, I, I don't know. Check that. I yeah, check that. we need to look that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll check that. Uh, but Aflac is based here, you know, in. Other than the fact that it was founded here, it probably shouldn't be. I mean, you know, it probably shouldn't be in Columbus, Georgia. But it's a success, part of the success. It's part of the story. What is it? 131. There you go. So a Fortune, two, <laughs> Fortune, 200, a Fortune 131. You're on the Fortune list. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, providing research. Thank you, handsome. Dylan. <laughs> Other duties as assigned. Great. M- making Chuck look better than Chuck should look. Uh, but, I mean... What do you know about the business community? What do you know about the business community that for, that 14 years in the chamber taught you? I think one of the main things is that our business community is invested and in so many different ways. I don't just mean by having bricks and mortar here. I mean, they're invested in their people. They're invested in their people being involved in the communities. We've seen that, you know, with, with Aflac and and global payments now, and, and even some of these startups like your um, Delta Data and, um, you know, Kevin Boykin and his crew. I mean, there's just, there's there's so many people, you know, I think about Sean Knox and Knox Pest Control that are so invested in this community and invested in their people and invested in making Columbus a better place. And I think that that's, um, you know, that's what I take away from our business community is that how involved you know, the people are, the leadership is, and not just leadership, but, but employees at any level. And you look at the business community, I mean, the business community and certainly philanthropists out of the business community were a huge reason. We've got Mercer Med right Mm -hmm. now. I mean, Mercer Med School, you know, doesn't happen without 15, $18 million worth of local money. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was a quick raise too. When you talk about the funds that were raised for that and I mean, it was no less than five weeks that the money was committed and, you know, that yeah. we were we were at the, the capital, you know. Yeah. And that money was coming in in million-dollar pops. It was. In multiple, from multiple sources. And, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end of the day, it came in so fast, Mercer altered its plans, and now... Do you ride? Have you ridden down Second Avenue and looked over there? I ride down Second Avenue every day, yeah, and it is incredible. It is yeah, incredible. Yeah, all the apartments are coming up. Yeah, next that, that's my neighbors, my yeah, new neighbors. <laughs> all the Second Avenue apartments. Uh, so I want to get into one quick thing. I tell you what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the way I was going to do this. Let's talk about direct services. Now. Okay. So how did you get interested in direct services, or how did they get interested in you? 
Um, it, it's a funny story. Uh, their former executive director announced that um, he had plans to retire, and, <coughs> and at the board meeting, my name came up, and the question was, do you think Amy Brown would be interested? And the answer was, I think Amy Brown's happy where she is, and Amy Brown was happy where she was. But um, I got a phone call, and, and um, it was a board member, and they said, why don't you look a little bit further into it? Just, you know, see what you think. I think there's a lot of opportunity here. And the more I looked into it and the more I thought about it and the more I prayed about it, quite frankly, I thought, you know, maybe this is the next move that I need to make. I, I knew that I wanted to um, to grow into an operational role. I knew that I wanted to grow into more of a leadership role. And I knew that it wasn't going to be at the chamber. And that's my own personal decision. I, um, I'd never want to run a chamber of commerce. I love the work that the chamber does, but I never want to be the top person at the chamber because there's a lot of pressure and a lot of um, um, work that goes into that that I, I, quite frankly, am not interested in. You know, isn't, it fun, isn't it funny when you see when you see the top job in organization, you know, you make a decision, hey, I, I mean, I saw right. a top editor's job. I didn't want any part of that. I'm right. not going to do it. I mean, right. Right. Yeah, it, it's funny. It's been fun to train the last two, but, <laughs> but, but doing the work is, is a lot different. And and it's a, it's a very um, taxing job, taxing on your time. And I have young children. And um, so anyways, I, I start looking at this direct services job. And like you said, no one knows what direct services is or what they do. I'm like, what in the world is this? And, you know, the more I researched and realized – Wow, this is this is meaningful work. This is this is important work. They are they are feeding people in need. They are providing services to people in need. Um, they are even providing services for for the caretakers. It was just it was incredible, and it was a much larger operation. There's 64 people on staff. Um, Y'all have 64 on staff. 64 that's on staff, and that's um, that's one of the larger our, nonprofits in the city. It is, it is, and it's because of our coverage. So we do, you know, we've got the eight counties that we cover for the meals. We've got eight counties that we cover for senior centers, and then 13 counties that fall into our CCSP, our community care program. What are your primary eight counties? Muskogee, obviously. So we've got Muskogee, Harris, Clay, Stewart, Randolph. Um, what is Americus? What's the county? Why can't I think of it? Um, Americus, Sumter. 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 <laughs> Sumter. It was, it so it's lower Chattahoochee Valley. Is Quitman in there Quitman's too? in there too. Uh, so you go Fort Gaines to, to Callaway Gardens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. if you look at it, just geographic thing, Fort Gaines, Callaway Gardens, down to mm-hmm. down. And if you think plains. of the, the nature of those communities and the size of those communities and the ruralness of those communities, there is a lot of need, you know, between there and here. Muskogee is obviously our largest covered area, but it's also the largest populated area. So, um, but yeah, so I started looking and... Um, you know, I realized so much was going on, and there was there was so much opportunity. There's, um, you know, the marketing piece and elevating the brand, which is something I'm very passionate about. I was working with um, the chamber on the cohesive image and identity piece. Free advice: I get meals. I get meals on wheels somewhere in the market. <laughs> uh, direct services. Right, right, right. So, anyways, there's there was a lot of opportunity to grow. Um, the organization in, in, in recognition and in support. And um, I thought it was something that I was willing to take on and that I wanted to take on. And, and I'm glad I went through the process. And, you know, I said, I was like, oh, I'll just go through the interview process. I need to brush off my resume anyways. Like, let's just, let's just do it and see what happens. And I did it and they offered me a job and it was an opportunity I, I couldn't resist. So you've got 60-plus employees. Mm-hmm. How many meals do y'all serve a week or a day? I mean, what's, so how it, do you last measure? Last month in July, we served over, tw- I think it was 24,000. I had these numbers last week, and I should have had them with me today. But, I mean, it's, it, the number is astronomical. It's over 400,000 meals a year. Um, Where are they prepared? So this is the cool part that a lot of people don't realize. But we have a commercial kitchen that sits on Old Hamilton Road right by um, – Safe House, right down the street from Safe House. Okay. And um, 
it's a very, um, you, you'd never know driving by what's going on over there. And we're working on that. That's part of that branding effort I was talking about. But um, so we have a commercial kitchen and about 20 members of the staff are kitchen staff, whether it's drivers. So or it's a large, cooks. it's a large lunchroom. It's, it is a large, yeah, it's a large um, kitchen. And, and what's also cool is that Columbus Tech operates their culinary program out of our kitchen um so we finish our folks my earliest employee gets there at 3 30 in the morning to start prepping and um we're typically done around one o'clock with meal delivery and all of that stuff all of our folks are normally back in with equipment and they're cleaning up and um so after one o'clock Columbus Tech comes in and they are using the kitchen to train their culinary and hospitality students oh wow Mm -hmm. so the kitchen's literally in use around the clock mm-hmm. it is and and i i've actually part of my vision um and this is coming from my chamber experience is that um kind of entrepreneur piece and restaurateur piece and maybe having a shared kitchen space where um um if you think that you have a concept that you want to start but you don't want to start immediately with bricks and mortar that you've got a place that maybe you could form a food truck out of but you prepare your food and and do your things that you need in our kitchen um so an incubator an incubator basically and we saw that on an inner city trip in columbus ohio and i've uh, loved it ever since and have wanted to see it happen here and, and maybe now i have the means to to work with Startup Columbus and some other folks to make something like that happen. You come at this, so you got all these meals, all these employees, but you come at this with a little different experience level than, than who was your successor? Scott Pred- Bryan. Your predecessor. <laughs> Scott Bryan, who used to run Swift Mills in Columbus and prior your, to, and is and my, my father-in-law. Father-in-law. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I didn't realize that. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that Scott was doing that. Uh-huh. Okay. So, Scott Scott was there, and this was basically a, a third retirement job for him. Yeah. And prior to Scott was Mickey Tucker, and Mickey had been there about uh-huh. 25 okay. years. So um, Scott wasn't there long at all, was he? Seven years. Okay, seven well, years. that's longer than I thought. And, it, it, and he did, Scott did phenomenal work. Scott is the reason that we have the kitchen in Muskogee County. The kitchen was initially in Clay County. And so all these mills were pumping up versus yeah. pumping down. And it was very taxing, you know, for the, yeah. the admin office to be... In Columbus, and, you know, if something goes wrong, you you, you got to get in your car and, and travel a ways to, to work on kitchen stuff. So, so he centralized it. He did, and it, it made a lot of sense. And, and he said, um, it, to, to hear the board tell it, you know, they had been talking about moving this kitchen for years, and, and Scott came in, and with that kind of logistical, operational, technical mind that he has, he was like, well, this makes the most sense. Let's just do it. And, and they were like, what do you mean, let's just do it? And he was like, we're, we're going to do it. And so they raised the money and and opened the kitchen. And it's um, it's been incredible. And, again, you know, the, the Columbus Tech Partnership is huge. That, that makes a lot of, you know, sense. And hopefully we'll have some more of that. You've been out riding the area. What have you learned about your clients? Um, it's It's – some of it is gut-wrenching. Some of the areas that we serve, and I know you know this because of Kathy's work, but um, to realize some of the state that, that people are living in, and, and I want to I want to plug a program as we talk about this. I want to plug a, a new program that, that's happened at Direct Services as a result of um, COVID and CARES Act money. We, we got some money for what we call material aid and we're going to come up with a better name for this because this is going to be kind of a long-term program for us but you know there we went to a client's house a couple of weeks ago and had a lot of rain and some some unsettling happened on her front porch and the front porch is just caving in this woman walks with a walker her only way to get up and down to her front door her only door is on this walker with stairs, slippery stairs, caving in front porch. And so with this material aid money, this client is going to get a brand new front porch that's handicap accessible because she's she needs that. She needs accessibility. So also, you know, I mean, there's some clients that, that is small things that, 
they can't do, like change their light bulbs. So with this material aid money, we've got a handy person that, you know, comes in and helps change light bulbs and, and do minor work. Air condition filters, things all, like that. All yeah, the, yeah. All the things that we take for granted that, you know, we can do ourselves. That And, and for us, for direct services, the idea is to keep the clients comfortable in their communities and in their homes as long as we can, you know, and so that's where the meals come in. We also have a program called um, Caregiver Timeout. So if um, we have clients whose older children take care of them or a family member takes care of them, but they also need to take care of themselves by running their own personal yeah. errands or doctor's appointments, we'll um, send a caretaker in, you know, for a few hours at a time to sit with. That's a big deal to somebody. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. We also have homemakers um, that work for direct services and homemakers go into our clients' homes and help them with light housework, whether it's washing sheets and dishes and things like that. But again, helping them remain independent, but also um, giving them some support that they may need. You know, you talk about that area and I know, I, mean, I grew up in Eufaula, so I know Quitman County, I know Clay County, and I know Stewart County pretty well. I spent a lot of time over there, uh, you know, in my formative years. And you could buy beer quicker, easier over there. Because um, <laughs> I, le- I, was, I was legal my last year of high school in Georgia. Uh, but, you know, you look at it, there's incredible poverty when you get on some of those roads. Just out of the middle of nowhere, you'll see not trailer park, a trailer. Yeah. Just a trailer here or mm-hmm. or a house that's an old house that's in mm-hmm. very, very bad condition. I mean, and those are the kinds of places y'all are going. That's where we're serving. Mm-hmm. Those are the folks that we're serving. How do people sign up for direct serve, for so Meals on Wheels? We're actually a provider for um, the River Valley um, area on aging. So what would happen is they would call the AAA and um, – go through screening process and then they're referred to us and so there's different tiers of clients and you may end up on one list but eventually you you end up on the the list um to be served and there's a lot of different varying factors um most people call because there is a need right they're they're not calling just because they want a, a free meal delivered even though they are really good meals um so what was lunch today lunch today was hamburger steak it was really good. <laughs> so that's one of the perks of the job, the job too. You, is got, you, know, you, get, I, I, you know, you've got to have a taste tester. So I'm um, always happy to do that. Dylan and I may show up this week. Please do. <laughs> I would love to, love to have y'all at the kitchen. Um, but so we get majority of our referrals from um, the AAA, but also there's private pay and there's sponsored meals. So private pay is a lot of people that maybe um, – their parents live here in Muscogee County and they live out of town and they just want to make sure that three days a week, their parents are getting a nutritious meal. So they pay for their parents to, um, or yeah, pay for their parents to have meals delivered. Same thing. Some people self pay, you know, there's some, um, elderly folks that enjoy the meals and pay for them themselves because what's, it, what's a meal priced. cost if you're paying for um it? if you're paying for it i think it's seven dollars so i mean it's it's a little it's very, less than what you would pay at minis to yeah go through the line, yeah but, mm-hmm. and but, it's being delivered to you so yeah. you know we're not we're not tra- we're not up charging you like uber and and all those folks do Waiter either, D so, right right um Is it rewarding? I mean, you haven't been doing it long enough to form an opinion yet, I'm sure, but in the initial, your initial gut reactions, is this, is this going to be a rewarding job for you? A hundred percent, without a doubt. And, you know, what I, I, you know, I loved so much being at the chamber and being in the middle of things and being in the know and, and feeling like I was giving back to my community. And I wrestled with that for a little while when I was making the decision to change. And then I finally realized, I was like, you know what, Amy, you're still involved in your community and you're still giving back to your community. You're just giving back to your community in a much different way. And so it is, it's such a humbling experience. And I'll say this, we had two staff members that um, presented at the board meeting last week and they both came in with testimonials. They had stories to share. One was, um, a voicemail that was left by a client. And this was a client that has heart issues and is, is struggling financially and um, wasn't sure that she was going to be able to pay for her heart medicine. 
this past month. She was going to be able to pick it up, you know, in the next couple of months. It had to do with some insurance stuff, whatever else, but it was the specific month. So with that material aid money that I mentioned, we were able to take care of her prescription for her. And she called and left a message. And when I say the woman was sobbing, the woman was sobbing because, you know, we gave her something that she wasn't sure that she was going to be able to to get that she needed. It was a matter of life or death. She needed this. And, and knowing it was taken care of was a peace of mind. You of course. Her. Of course. And and that's the thing there. I mean, there's so many other stories. We, we have one of our homemakers and AAA um, did this really great farmer's market a few weeks ago, and it was a sight to see. It was a drive-by event. I, so co- I covered it. Did you cover it? I so did you cover saw it. those incredible boxes of vegetables. Oh, I, I mean, it was so. I mean, I was actually eligible. I'm 60 years old, but I didn't. I mean, that the everything looked phenomenal. So we had some clients that um, couldn't drive, didn't have transportation. Transportation is a huge issue for the elderly uh, for for obvious reasons, and. So our our homemaker, Sweetless Sharn, if you're listening, I think you're amazing. But she made sure that every single one of our clients got their boxes picked up. This is about 60 boxes that LaSharn and her husband went and picked up that morning for the clients. And then the rest of the homemakers came and grabbed the boxes and delivered them to the clients so they could get their fresh my, veggies. My favorite soundbite of my entire journalistic career came out of that. And if I can find it, I'm going to play it for you right now. Oh, I want to hear it. Oh, it, it's the, it, uh, what day was that? You remember? It was two Fridays ago, I think. Uh, it, this was the one in the downtown, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Hold on. Hold on. We're, 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 we're killing time. Dylan, do you sing a song right now while we wait? Or? I'm not sure what to do. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're there. <laughs> you said it was two Fridays ago. It's the 20th, okay. I think. Okay, okay. Uh, no, it was, it was, let's see. I might be wrong on my date. Yeah, yeah, I think you are. Hold on. <laughs> wow, Chuck. Would, wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah, okay, hold on. Let me see if I can find it. I think it was right here. Okay, here it is. Okay, this gentleman... Uh, he got his vegetables. Okay, how can we do this? You can just like put it next to your mic. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Joe King. What does it mean to you to get this produce? Sir, my old lady can cook. Collard greens, she know what to do. And them baked potato, I mean them baked sweet potatoes. So I'm look, man, I look, I eat. And, uh, and then it's free. And no, we ain't got a whole lot of money. So it's, I just, it's just a wonderful thing. That's all I can tell you. That, that is my favorite soundbite I've gotten. Old lady awesome. can cook. <laughs> Old lady can cook. It's like, you know, but the, people don't realize when you're dealing with people on fixed incomes, this, I mean, you it's deal with people on fixed incomes. And some things you and I may look at as free or weird, the situation, I mean, these are huge things mm-hmm. for I mean, to get fresh collard greens mm-hmm. was a big deal. We had one lady that said she took her box and she prepared a meal and she invited four of her elderly friends over and they ate. And then there was enough to send everybody home with two more meals beyond the meal that they had. And and I, she said, my friends were just so thankful and I'm just so thankful because I was able to spend time with my friends. You know, it's communal for them. It's a... It's an opportunity to to socialize and congregate and and to share with one another. And they've been lacking that. If you think we've been lonely over the last 18 months, think how lonely some of these folks have been. So, you know, these touch points and, and, you know, direct services, I'll give the team credit. They did not miss a beat during COVID. There was not a single meal missed. Um, they, They made it happen. So we lost a lot of our volunteer base. So we had our, our admin staff that were delivering meals. We had all of the county, the senior center site managers were delivering meals. Everybody came together to deliver meals. We also had volunteers that had never engaged before that wanted to step up and help because a lot of our volunteer base was elderly. And so, we, you know, we couldn't risk exposure for them. But um, we have one guy that he... I don't know how he found us, but he signed up during COVID to start delivering meals. He now delivers every single week 
Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So he has made so this. So you have, well, I mean, and that's one of the things a lot of people, and you see it in what you're doing now, people stepped up in COVID oh, in yeah. a big way. I want to switch gears. We, yeah. We're actually, we're plowing through this pretty good. I want to talk to you a little bit about young leadership. You're, as we said a minute ago, 36 years old. You're what I would call a new breed of young. There, there's a group of y'all that are kind of coming into key positions in the city. Um, how important is it to young leaders like you to get these kinds of opportunities to to lead organizations that maybe have traditionally been led by more, by older, mm-hmm. more established people? That s- some people are really. And taking a chance is the wrong way to say it, and I I sound like an old white guy, which I am. But, you know, when you look at it, a lot of young people now are starting to get opportunities to lead. Mm -hmm. How important is that to y'all? It's incredibly important. It's it's so important to, um, to finally feel like you have a seat at the table, you know, that, that, um, that people, People care about, you know, young professionals and, and want them to to be invested in this community. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll say this, Mike Gaiman and Audrey Tillman and, and Billy Blanchard and Jay Alexander and a ton of folks recognized early on that there was eventually going to be this gap in leadership, right? That, that we were going to have to start preparing for that next wave of leadership. And that really was kind of the formation of the Young Professionals Program and us preparing that future wave. And so the idea of YP was to attract and retain talent, but also to prepare talent for these positions, whether it was volunteer leadership positions or, you know, the next CEO of direct services. Or, I, you or know, city, like, count, city, or city council. Political or, yeah, leadership. Yeah, political leadership too, 100%. Which I mean, it's no secret. I ran for office a few years ago, and and to me, that was a calling, you know, to show young people that that you can and you should, and and that that we can be just as invested um, and valuable to the decision making process in this community as anyone else. You know, you brought up you did run for office. You ran against John House for a citywide council seat. Uh-huh. You were the top vote getter in the first election then john beat you in the runoff and i say this to very few politicians but congratulations the best thing that could happen to you was probably to lose right, right. because there were things you didn't know at the time that's right they were yes they were like <laughs> like a new child you know um, yeah you were you were, you did not realize it was, you were it was such a blessing um and and that talk about god's timing and and god's plan you know that was god's plan and that experience was god's plan and I, you know, talk about my experience in the chamber, and I thought I knew a ton of people, you know, just from the chamber world. But when I ran for office, I met a whole different group of Columbus that I never experienced and that I never knew. So it was so eye-opening for me and such a phenomenal opportunity. There are friendships that I've formed from running for office. That, that I still maintain and I'm thankful for. Well, um, I mean, at 34 years old, you ran for a city-wide seat. I, I mean, so, you know, you ran for one of the two council seats that covers the whole city. So, you know, that's that's a commitment, mm-hmm. or you should be committed one of the ways. <laughs> However ways you look at it. Yeah, but that is an enormous commitment mm-hmm. to run a city-wide mm-hmm. campaign. It was, um, again, it, it was an experience. And what's really cool about that campaign is that was a campaign that was run by young professionals. That was all of my YP friends that stepped up to the plate and supported me in, you know, the marketing for the campaign, even the fundraising. A lot of it was my fellow young professionals that were supporting me in this effort. You know, it was interesting because somebody that watched that at campaign, an older person, told me, that it reminded them of an old JC's campaign. The JC's used to be the the political organization. It was all male back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all were a much better, more diverse group in that way. But you know, J.R. Allen, Jack mm-hmm. Bassett, um, Bob Wright, all those guys came out of the JC's. I mm-hmm. mean, Bob Hydrick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just go list on and right. on of guys that came out of the JC's, and it sort of looked like y'all were kind of a form of that but then and correct me if i'm wrong i haven't seen 
much out of it in the last three years. I don't know if the loss discouraged people or... I think there's more to come, honestly. I think that um, there's a lot of conversation happening. There's some more young people that even after this past election cycle are even more motivated to run and want to run and want to see um, change and to be a part of the change. So I really think that... um, in the next, you know, couple of cycles, we're going to see more young people step up to the plate. We're inside a year on the next election. Yeah, I that's mean, right. So, that's so right. people mm-hmm. that are going to run for mayor or run for city council yeah. or school board or whatever, they're going to have to start coming into yeah, that Yeah, that's now. right. That's right. So that, I mean, you know, what did, what did you learn from the political side of it? Oh, people are nasty and ugly. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, they can be. They I mean, can, because can, people can be very, very ugly. Um, but what I learned is, um, in the grand scheme of things, I think we all want what's best for the community, and that's you know whether you are hardcore political or not. You know, you're invested. You're invested in this community. And so, um, and you and John shared that. I we mean, did share that. I mean, generationally different. I mean, you were closer yeah. to his daughter's age than, than yeah. his, but mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that John, yeah, he genuinely wanted to make a difference, just like I genuinely wanted to make a difference. And I think John is doing a phenomenal job. I mean, I read his summaries after council. He covers Wednesday. council better than any reporters ever. Covered. I mean, my goodness. And, yep. and I'm thankful for that. And, and go to and Facebook I, and read his counts of every council. Oh, meeting. It's, it's, it's probably better than the official minutes. I mean, he even gives people's like reactions and, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's great. It's must, it's, great. Re- it's must reading for every it reporter. Is, in the it city. is, it is. But he, um, he is a great man, and I got to know he and his wife Marilyn obviously through this process, and and I'm proud to call them friends. They've they've been um, they've just been phenomenal. So I, I'm thankful, you know, again for the opportunity, and I really do hope that it sparked a flame for other young people to know. I mean, look at Walker. Walker is a great example of you know a young person serving their community and serving Walker their community Garrett, well. Walker who Garrett. represents. Uh, Redsall District. <laughs> Redsall District, right. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's great. And then if you think about, too, I'll, I'll give Isaiah Hughley credit as well. Isaiah is doing a really good job of hiring young talent and in, and, and in leadership positions, too. If you look at our new um, Civic Center director, Rob is incredible, and I think he's going to do great things once we get past – you know, all of all I of mean, the things going on in the world. I mean, and, you take John Hudgeson, who's done and very John, John very well in Tampa. Yes, and, yeah. You know, and you've got to invest. I mean, he just um, he just promoted one of his um, executive assistants to a chief of staff role, and I, a female. And I think that was a bold move, and I think it was the right move. And it's Crystal Williams. Crystal, if you're listening, I think you're amazing, too. And, um, you know, he just he does a really good job of identifying young talent and placing them in roles that matter. You've been in the halls of power with the chamber and the political campaign stuff. You're now serving, some would say, the least among us. What do you these two experiences, what do you know about Columbus that you wish you could tell? What do you know about Columbus that all of us should know about Columbus? I think the most meaningful thing, and I don't think that this is a secret, is is how giving this community is. And I'm not just saying monetarily, but of time, talent, and treasure. People care. People are invested you know, people serving on commissions, people volunteering at Meals on Wheels. When there is a need in this community, people step up, and they step up in the best kind of way. And, you know, I think there's a lot of negative. We but see doesn't a that lot sound of cliche? Negative. It does sound cliche, but it's so true. And, you know, I've been so fortunate for the last 13 and a half years that I've got to go deep dive into other cities and look at best practices and, and try to come back with tidbits, you know, for Columbus. But, but what I what I've recognized through all of that is that what I'm saying is true. Is that we really are invested 
whether you're from Columbus or you landed here, people become enthralled and invested in this community. You, one of the things we didn't talk about, and I'll hit it on it real quick. I'm just going to give you a test. Okay. okay. Uh, you ran the Chamber of Commerce Inner City Visit, and and I went on a couple yeah. that you ran. Um, uh, trying to think where I went. Um, did you go to Charleston with us? No, I did no, not go to Charleston. No Charleston. They wouldn't let me go to South Carolina. <laughs> v- visa, visa expire for South. But I, I think I went. To, I think I went to Denver. You went to Pittsburgh with us. Denver. 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 Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, but you took city leaders yeah. to uh, in those who were trying to cover city leaders at the time on trips, and WRBL always had a presence as well with Phil and Greg. I've been phenomenal partners. Yep. And name the list of the cities that you've done. Oh, man. What a test. Um, Oklahoma City, Columbus, Ohio, Nashville, Greenville, Charleston. Um, we were going to do Louisville <laughs> and COVID hit. Uh, Pittsburgh. Okay. I don't know. There's okay, I'm do- okay, I'm doing Austin. <laughs> Austin. Okay, I'm doing that for this now. The purpose of that visit is to see best practices in other uh-huh. places and bring some of those best practices. Give uh-huh. me two things you can see in Columbus now that are are direct result of those inner city visits. Startup Columbus is a great example, and that was a Greenville and a Nashville um, kind of piece together. Columbus twenty twenty five. That was Nashville, straight out of Nashville, straight I mean, rip right out of music, straight city. from. Um, Billy Blanchard chaired that trip, yeah. and Billy, we, we do what we call pre-visits, and on one of the pre-visits, he was like, you know, look at this. Like, they have this incredible plan that everybody's invested on. It's not just a chamber plan. It's not just a um, city plan. It was a, a legitimate community plan that everybody was invested in, all the partners were invested in, and they were rocking and rolling, <laughs> literally and figuratively. <laughs> and, um, it, it was incredible, and, and so I think, you know, where we are with Columbus 2025 and, and the progress that we've seen with Columbus 2025, Tabitha Getz is doing a phenomenal job with that. And to me, that's one of the greatest tidbits in the last uh, five, six years. Um, we, we've talked about uh, your professional career, your job change and stuff. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about family life now, because that's, that's one of the important parts of Columbus too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Mac, uh, your daughter is quite. She's a character. Oh, she's, she's going to take your job one day. <laughs> oh, she's already <laughs> tried. I got a picture of Mary Mac here. I was doing a live shot. Next thing I know, Mary Mac's in front of me holding the ca- holding the microphone. Child is not camera shy. And talk about somebody that loves Columbus, Georgia. That girl loves downtown Columbus. She loves Columbus, Georgia. She, she likes Banks tell. Food she Hall. She loves Banks Food Hall. She loves Splash Pad. All the things. She loves Market Days. She's she's my wild one. She's five, and then um, Griff, my um, <laughs> my campaign baby. Um, <laughs> he he's my sweet, calm, just loving child. Um, so they're both very different, but they're so much fun. And and family is so important to us. I'm very lucky that um, my parents live here. My husband's parents live here. We have lots of support and. Um, Family's just always been, you know, a big thing in our lives. Hey, let's let's flash let's flash flash forward a few years. Mary Mac does what you did, le- goes to high school here, leaves and comes back home. So that would be twenty years from now, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Twenty, 20 years, years from, from now. now. What do you want the Columbus that she would come back home to look like? You know, one thing that I've always appreciated about Columbus is that Columbus is not too big and it's not too small. And I think that's um, a balance that we've maintained. Would I like to see more industry and, and more workforce opportunities? Of course. But I like, I like the feel of this community. What I would like to see is, you know, a, a place where she wants to stay and raise a family and we're invested here my husband's a small business owner here like I said our parents are here um so I just I want this to be a place that that young people are attracted to and they want to where they want to be well you you have you now have a seat 
using your words, a seat at the table. Seat at the make, table. To make that happen. We've been a phenomenal guest. I'm going to do what we do at the end of every show. I haven't told you about this, but I think you've heard a uh, thing. Okay, I call it turn the tables. So I've been asking you all these questions for the last hour. You get to ask me one. Oh, good. I want to know what makes Columbus unique to you and why you love Columbus. barbecue uh, uh, this I mean this this is home it, mm-hmm. it, it, and I'm I'm not from here but this is home it's in homes where your favorite barbecue restaurant is you know mine I've got two now I've got uh, Smoky Pig right down the road here and then 13th Street over in Phoenix City those are kind of my two go-to places but it's also you know it's also, minis and you know the best kept restaurant second Columbus. God, I'm afraid to say this because I'm going to ruin it. I've been doing some st- coverage in the government center. the The best priced meal in Columbus, Georgia, meat and three for what you get is the Chester's barbecue in the, oh, gov- I in the love government. In the Chester's. Gov- no, in the government center. Oh, I knew they the, had a presence, that, but that, I haven't had that, it at the government center. I got stuck on jury watch, and I had to grab some food in there. And I went in there, and all those those le- those old ladies, lovely ladies. I, did I say old ladies? I didn't say, can you edit that out? Those <laughs> lovely ladies. recorded, right? Yeah. They, they, you know, it, it, it's, it's one, I mean, we have a strong... We have a strong viewership here at WRBO and three one nine oh seven, and um, and um, those ladies I come walking in. What you covering, Chuck? What's going? Did he do it? Did he not do it? You know, the, <laughs> you know. How, but that, it was the first time we went there, and just and so much cool. But the food was phenomenal, and it was like I gave them a ten dollar bill, and you know I fully expect it to be gone. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you're giving me money back. Uh, I mean, it's if you're ever in the government center at lunchtime, do it. it but that's, I'm going to have mean, to go over there. I mean, I, I, I frequent Chester's, but I've never had Chester's at the government center. It's, it's, so. a, meet, it's a meet and three. It's that's a, amazing. It's, it's a meet and three, and um, it's so good. But, you know, that's my answer is Columbus is special because of the people. It is. And it, this is a people place. And, you know, I mean, in one of the things you've probably seen it more than anybody with your two jobs over the last year is, is it perfect? No, not even close. But we have intense poverty, and this is a place unlike any other place I've ever lived. The poverty and the wealth are stacked on top of each other. They go to the same grocery stores. In, in a lot of the kind of central city, midtown, mm-hmm. you know, downtown parts, you know, you see you see the good and the bad right there together. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, in our community, we are very fortunate because we get to see the positive parts and we get to see the challenges and we're never too far from the challenges. That's right. That's right. I hope that, make, I hope that makes sense. It does. Well, I appreciate you joining us. You have been a great guest. Thanks I knew, for I knew, having me. I knew you would. I mean, this you is are, fun. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. It's it's a conversation. It's I like not, it. It's a conversation. We're at the point now where Dylan and I try to ride this thing home without me doing too much stupid. Uh, you can watch Chuck Williams' uh, show on WRBL.com Tuesday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. Thank you all for joining us tonight. You can come back. The replay will be there. You you can find it on WRBL.com. We sure look for you to want you to watch it there. But you can also now catch it on podcast, Apple, Spotify, and iHeart. So you can go get this. You don't get to see my pretty face, but you do get to hear the conversation. And I think that's what this is all about. So we hope you get it on the podcast, wherever you do podcasts. Also, social media. Um my anniversary for Twitter came up this week. Uh, I I joined in two thousand this time two thousand eight. So I am at Chuck Williams on Twitter. Think about that for a second. There's no numbers, no nothing. Just at Chuck Williams. Um, Facebook Chuck Williams WRBL and on Instagram Chuck Williams zero nine nine nine. Instagram is kind of my. I see a cool picture. I throw it on Instagram, and more people are starting to like those. So go to the Instagram if you want to, and. We will close this out. I want to thank Amy Bryan. Amy is the, is it executive director? Is that the? CEO. CEO. Okay. 
CEO of Direct Services, which is Meals on Wheels, and we've learned a lot about that organization today and a lot about Amy, and I think we're all better for having done that. You're listening to The Chuck Williams Show, and I will be back next week. We, I don't want to say it right now, but we've just booked a phenomenal guest next week. I think that could that could be pretty incredible. So we'll know more about that in the next day or so. But come back next week, and we'll look forward to seeing you. Thanks for listening to The Chuck Williams Show.